and welcome to Quest Me, your weekly review show of everything Star Wars, brought to you by My name is Josh, and I'm your forever host and creator of the TV Network. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all sorts of places, or you can go to www.twistmyown.net. We go live here at Quest Me on Tuesdays at about 8 or 8.30 Mountain Standard Time, and you can find us This season, of course, we are talking all about the new Star Wars series, Andor, on Disney+. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Um, of course, we're going to talk about episode 11 of Andor, Daughter of Ferrix. But I do need to introduce my wonderful co-host, friend, and real-life hero. His name is Justin. How are you today, sir? Hey, I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I am good. Thanksgiving is two days away. And uh, are you ready I to get fat to... on some turkey? Well, yeah, I gotta cook though too. I gotta cook some things, so I need to go to the you're, store you, I, tomorrow. You're, you're a trained cook though. <laughs> you're you're a good cook. Mm, I appreciate the uh, love, but <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as to say trained and or good. I mean, <laughs> you worked in the a few kitchens before. A few, yes, a couple. You yeah, that doesn't cook. mean that doesn't mean I'm a you good can cook. cook. Mm, okay well thank you and thanks for being back of course um for the second to last episode of andor and season six yeah really uh, really close we're super close and of course we always save the best guests for the last couple episodes and so listen like this one's huge this one's kind of huge because i'm still kind (laughs) of like in awe that he actually agreed to come um but i mean sorry come back to the show but I am extremely excited to reintroduce the host of Sun But Inevitable and the co-host of the immensely popular and extremely fun Open Pike Night podcast. He's also the original co-host of Quest Me. Of course, I'm talking about my friend Captain Bootscoot or Vanilla Husband or just Jesse, whichever you prefer. Josh, as you well know, flattery will get you everywhere with me. So thank you for the wonderful introduction. I have to say, I would not be a podcaster without Josh. So that is a little peek behind the curtain. And to peek even further back, Josh and I have known each other since the first day of first grade. So if you go listen to the back catalog of quest me i think i was there in season one and i think semi-regularly ish in season two so i mean this is not josh is right i'm coming back to the show this is i have been here before this is not my first rodeo i'm very excited to talk about the book of boba fett let's do this (laughs) oh no well yes and he's bringing it it's humorous here just like he always does No, I'm I'm very excited to talk about Andor. I, what Josh was referring to actually was the fact that, in case you haven't noticed, I'm a bit of a Trekkie, uh, as the paraphernalia might have indicated, and I have always sort of played the foil to Josh here on Quest <laughs> Me, right? Because I I have made no secret about liking Star Wars. I do like Star Wars. It's not my main thing, but I do like Star Wars. Um, I've also made it no secret that I think Star Wars primarily through its entirety of its existence has been aimed mostly at kids. And I'm sure we'll get into this, but Josh, thank you so much for bringing me back for a Star Wars show 
that is made for grown-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've been, saying, that out of the way. <laughs> I've been saying uh, it in our chat for like at least this whole season that you will probably enjoy this, this series. <laughs> it's um, a Star it's, Wars Jesse approved. <laughs> it's it's much more made for uh for the old people. So that being said though, it sounds like you've enjoyed Andor so far. All right, you, so is that is that true or I mean Let me give let me give a little a little explanation here. So <laughs> Josh is very gracious and he he I had originally planned to be here next week uh for the finale. But the aforementioned show that Josh had had dropped name dropped Open Pike Night had a scheduling conflict pop up after I had already scheduled with Josh. He very graciously shuffled me and next week's guest, Phil, who you do not want to miss, trust me. And what that meant was, oh, okay, now I can be on the show. <laughs> um, I know where this is going. That was like, what, three weeks ago? Yeah. Two weeks ago? Yeah. I mean, it was a while, folks. Yeah. Um so yesterday I started watching Andor. <laughs> uh. um, I so <laughs> did you have yes. today off or something? So if you yeah, so if you follow me, like the screen says uh, on Twitter at Open Pike, I, I actually live tweeted the first episode of Andor. I I made a fun Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars joke thing about it. Um, <laughs> it was a good time for sure. And it was, yeah, I had fun. I was like, okay, this is a great first episode. There's a lot of promise here. Like, let's see where this goes, you know. Um, I believe I'm also on record on the Twist My Arm podcast network as having liked Rogue One. I think I think that was a, yeah, a that was actually unanimous. If you if you if we go back, that was the first ever, uh, or sorry, the second ever podcast you did. Wow, was the Rogue One. See, there you go. So there's yeah. like a lot of layers to this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So then over the course. So yes, to answer your question, I am off all week, which my delightful co-host pointed out. He said, some of us are working today. Some of us are not. <laughs> I was one of us who were not. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to be super productive this week. I'm going to get all this work done. I didn't do that. I waited till the last minute and I have now seen all of Andor. In you just got a face full of Andor day. in the last yeah. day. <laughs> I mean, it's I started it like last night. Like it it was not the middle of the. Day. I think it was two in the afternoon, maybe three in the afternoon. But I mean, it wasn't you know before noon. Is my point is not when I started. So here's a, here's a good question for you, Jesse. Now you've seen eleven of twelve episodes. Are you yes. going to watch the twelfth? Probably not. It's not that. No, I'm. I'm <laughs> ah! with you. Um. So I I. I started going, okay, I got to watch 11 frigging episodes of this show so that I can go. Not that I'm like opposed to Star Wars. It's just like, man, that's a lot of TV to watch in a day and a half. And then, and then comment on, you know. So I was like, oh gosh, this, this may not be uh, one of my smartest moves ever. <laughs> um, but it turns out they made a really damn good Star Wars show. And that makes it very easy to binge through and to enjoy yourself and to get invested in, even if they are very clearly, I will say they're very clearly taking some shots directly at Star Trek, which I don't appreciate. And I think <laughs> we should probably talk about those in detail. Do you want to do it right now or do you want to do it later? I don't know how you're showing Sure, works. sure. Uh, if, if there's any details maybe that are not in this episode that we're reviewing, like maybe oh, some yeah. of the past episodes. I didn't yeah. even... Um, no, then, then yes, let's bring them up because I have noticed a couple things. 
Okay. Uh, so no. the first was... thing for me that is huge is like the the corporate police, right? That knows Chinman works for. Um, <laughs> I don't actually Cyril know that character. Thank you. It's it's something close to that, right? It's is it it's Cyril? Cyril or Cyril? Okay. Cyril. Um, I love his mother, by the way. Um, <laughs> but so the 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 corporate police that he works for, I was like, oh, those are basically Star Star Trek uniforms. Those are like old school Starfleet uniforms, but they're blue instead of red. But they even have like the over the shoulder strap. They have the closing magnetic clasp. I was like, I don't appreciate this. I might stop watching. And then you know, it got it grew up a little bit. It was like, but racism is bad. And I was like, oh, in a Star Wars. Okay, like, <laughs> all right, I'll stick through this. Um, but then when they're explaining how they moved all these indigenous people heartlessly out of their ancestral lands, they say, oh, yeah, we moved them into what we call an enterprise zone. And I was like, really? Like, just blatantly gonna, okay. I mean, I get it, right? It's business, it's markets. I believe that was, that was in reference to uh, one of the Next Generation movies, wasn't it? Where they were trying to move the whole colony in like an invisible spaceship. Oh, they did that in, in Insurrection. But point, Insurrection, that's what it point was. being that it was like, you chose to drop the name Enterprise into your star franchise, dude. Like, that's pretty like, <laughs> also there's a guy named Lieutenant Gorn. So that's like pretty blatant. There, I think that might be most of my list, but like there was some stuff where I was like, hang on a minute. Are they are they pushing me? And I know it wouldn't be me personally, right? But I, I would right. take it personally. So Well, and it sounds like you kind of did a little bit, and that's okay. <laughs> um, that's been something that we've kind of talked about through this whole series is that there's a lot of Star Trek kind of call-outs or callbacks, just mm -hmm. kind of like showing that there's a little bit more to the, the galaxy than space wizards and the force. You know? I gotta say, I really like that I have not seen a Jedi yet. I mean, if they if they throw a Jedi in this last to. episode, you guys, no. like, I'm gonna be so mad. No, they, they <laughs> Damn it, I'm pretty sure they've, I'm pretty sure they've, like, announced at some point that there wasn't gonna be any Jedi or lightsabers or anything like that in this series. Well, I mean, they have. I know that they say that all the time, but like, no, I but the, I mean, and they have, but they have like the electronic <laughs> poking sticks, which are not really lightsabers. So I'll give you that. But like, I, I'm just if they put a Jedi in the last episode, Josh, I'm gonna be pissed, and I'm gonna. Well, they you. also they also have Star Killer's armor in Luthen's shop, so there are references to the Jedi. They? They're references, but it's They're not Easter like eggs. Only like fans like yeah. me get that. Right, like the the stones with the hands that are from rebels and that all that stuff. Luthen shop is like my favorite part of this series because of all the Easter eggs in that shop. Only a nerd with a bunch of Star Trek garbage on their, or sorry, Star Wars garbage on their shelf would recognize these things, right? Like, oh no, yeah, yeah. I mean maybe. <laughs> Time of the geek, man. Time of the geek. I'm I'm but... trying to be self-deprecating, Justin, <laughs> while I make fun of you. It's difficult to do both at the same time. <laughs> but like, there, there's some other cool things too you know i mean there was uh in this episode one of the biggest easter eggs was the uh the San San sankara stones from indiana jones oh that was rhymes this. yeah he, right um <laughs> sankara stones from indiana yeah. jones yeah here i'll uh, i'll bring it up for you let me let me just Please. let me just present Josh, this really pull that quick. up it's just Don't like worry, that other doing it. slightly that more other, popular that, that podcast. Rogan dude. <laughs> so if you look right there, 
There's these stones. Right there. Oh, Kalima! Yeah, let me see if I can zoom in here. Maybe I can do that. Maybe we'll do that little guy there. Do that little guy there. And then uh, we'll do this little guy here. I wouldn't worry about uh, that little guy. There we go. See that? Kalima. There they are. Holy shit, that's a Sith holocron next to it. Yeah, that's what I said like four episodes ago, Justin, and you didn't believe me. <laughs> well, now you, I can see it. <laughs> All I but require is proof. But there are a ton of Easter eggs in that shop. Oh, is this a holocron point. behind Justin? That's how he knows what that is. Okay, I get it. All right, well, okay. He's, he's also a visual fan of Star Wars. So. <laughs> that's also what his tramp stamp tattoo yeah. is. Yeah, so. pretty Ooh. much. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, okay. but. Uh, so anyway, Jesse, thank you so much for coming back to Quest Me and thank you. Uh, talking about Andor with us. I was really excited this whole season. I just kept getting more and more excited because I I knew that you would have a little bit of a different view on this as compared to like Obi-Wan or Boba Fett because it's definitely a lot different. The The series is a lot different from a normal Star Wars. I think our first episode this season was Not Your Grandpa's Star Wars is what I named it. Yeah. And it's stuck to that uh, title basically through the whole series. So yeah. before we go too far into it, uh, Justin loves these little synopses that I write. So I made a quick one today. I also procrastinated um, and wrote this episode like I wrote a high school paper. Very last minute. So oh, I did a very last minute synopsis. It's okay. In Daughter of Ferrix, we learn that even in a galaxy far, far away, feelings are very real. We also get a good peek at some sweet new tech and get a glimpse at Saw beginning his slide into madness. But is it really his fault? Okay, this episode was directed by Benjamin Karen. He also did episode 7, and he's doing episode 12. So the the trend in this series is that each director is doing three episodes. Um, The first couple directors did the episodes in succession, whereas Benjamin was the only one to do a one-off episode, and then the final two episodes. Hmm. Um, This episode was also only written by Tony Gilroy. There wasn't anyone else in it. so um, I was actually going to ask that, um, because I haven't been paying attention to the credits. I've had to like skip the intro and the recap every time, just make sure I got them all in. (laughs) Um, I had like 12 minutes to spare you guys. Um, And I appreciate you. The are, are these all written by mostly the same one person, or is there a writer's room? So Tony Gilroy is in on all of them, but he some of the directors help write some of the certain episodes. Gotcha. So there will be, like, some of them are directed and written by Benjamin Karen or whoever else, um, but Tony Gilroy is the showrunner, so he's basically... Gotcha. Yeah, EP. He's like the Deborah Chow of, uh, of Obi-Wan. Uh, for those of you out there who are cool... That would be one of the Henry Alonzo Myers for Star Trek Strange New Worlds, who you can hear on Open Pike Night using this podcasting app or this YouTube if you're on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was sly, man. That was very sly. <laughs> I'm trying, man. Very, very good. Um, so this first, the first thing that I want to talk about of this whole episode is B2 Emo. And oh, didn't how this break your heart? How in the hell no. did I get feelings from a droid, though? No, no, I did. I no. know Jesse's heartless and cold. That's not true, and you know but... that. You know that I am oversensitive. Do you, do you in not, fact, do you not and make a bond to droids and robots? I'm oversensitive and too emotional. That is a hundred percent accurate. But they're not. Like, one of my tweets about the first episode has kind of rung true for the whole series for me, which was, 
they are really seeing like how little of a face they can give a thing and have it be a character, right? Like, <laughs> okay, what if it sure, was a sure. box with one eye? And somebody went, that's basically R2-D2. And they went, no, he's got like a neck and some arms, <laughs> if you really think about it. And they're like, okay, yeah, get rid of all of that. I just want one eye in a in a box. Is that is that <laughs> enough? I say, no, it's not enough. I need I need something else. I like the voice, but here's the question, right? Um, if they all treat their robots, sorry, their droids like slaves, which they clearly do, <laughs> and the droids are all sentient, or are the droids programmed to sound sentient? Which thing is it? Because one thing is super messed up, and the other thing's slightly less messed up, but still pretty messed up. <laughs> I think they're programmed, but there's also different caveats to that, too, because certain droids bond with certain people. Like, look at R2 and Luke. You know, where R2 and Leia, when Leia passed, R2 was really upset about it, and you got that kind of emotion. It's like these droids have certain emotions towards right, certain characters. Right. Like, no, yes, I guarantee totally that that cool. droid wouldn't give a shit if uh, one of those other people passed away or even if Andor passed away. I don't think the droid yeah. is even as close to Andor. But, but, the, but does R2 have rights? Or can Luke go? Sorry, I'm wiping your memory. Like, well, you well Luke, Luke actually <laughs> never wiped could. his memory. <laughs> no, he did but not. They do, he kept it in they do wipe... for the X-wing. Go ahead, right. Justin. I was gonna say, first off, your sentient question to droids is more. I feel like it's more a line of what the the, the droid does. Like, is he an astromech mm. or is he a protocol gotcha. droid? And so that's how they program his quote unquote sentience to be. If that's a word, I don't think so. But um, sentience, yeah, yeah, that's a word. It is well, oh, nice. sentience or sapience, like <clears throat> a gonk droid, right? <clears throat> that's not that's not <laughs> thinking, right? It's just moving, like it's a it's a glorified machine with a face. Whereas C three PO is like thinking about stuff and developing feelings and like has a personality, correct? Mm -hmm. So like I, I I agree with you. I think there are different kinds of of droids. My point is, I think this is like the lowest kind of droid, which is like talking garbage compactor. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess that's that's my the difference between you and me is that I I really looked at this I droid like as garbage. kind of as <laughs> well, I looked at the droid as Marva's like child, you know, mm -hmm. her permanent child, and Marva was B2's mom basically and like B2 is definitely has the emotions of a younger kind of if you're going to put it in a human perspective I think that the way that he reacted to things is more of a adolescent maybe teenage kind of mindset so and so knowing that they were so close and like that he actually like that was it's like a dog man it's like you get a dog and you are that dog's <laughs> person right and that dog is your dog it's kind of the same way i get it droids fully get it not and working with the with the box with one eye <laughs> like you I just get, don't like the box with one eye I, and that's no, totally fine no i get what they're shooting for and it like it works emotionally on me because i'm like here for the story right like i get it but like i don't care about the droid like if they break the droid in the last episode, I'm not going to be like, oh, no, right? I'm going to be like, it was a box. Like, oh, and, and that's... I don't I'm, think he feels anything. Well, I think he sounds like he feels things. Do you need something more with, like, 
accessories? Like, you do you need a laser on him or an <laughs> eyelid and an eyebrow to show that like emotion when he speaks? <laughs> give, me I, some, so, give me an example. Like the uh, like okay R two D two. We don't even know what he's saying, but we understand his personality, right? Yeah. Like this is a box that sounds like an Englishman, <laughs> which is cool. But like that's the same as walking around with a Walkman and going, I'm the best friends with the Walkman. Like, if if it was programmed to sound like that and doesn't actually feel those things, which is part of my question. Right. It might be a nitpick and it's probably not super important. I just it's part of a small question. I, I think it is a bit of a nitpick, but at the same time, <laughs> I see where you're coming from. Um, I just I felt like a I felt an emotion towards B two because he was so it seemed like he was so upset. The way that he reacted to things and the way that he would talk to yes. people and like he kept himself hidden and shut away and like the you know, the first when uh what's what's that guy's name brasso he's ginormous yeah he's like uh you know everyone's gonna leave if you want to be alone for a minute like giving him that opportunity and he's like i don't want to be alone i want marva and that's kind of where i was like oh my god like he knows that she's gone and that like sucks for him and then he like brasso's trying to pawn him off on the other daughters of ferrix he's like yeah you're gonna go work with these people you're gonna go be a slave to them and the way that uh b2 like had kind of was the way that he was he kind of to me it like he manipulated brasso into actually adopting him because he didn't want to go do work so brasso right. felt bad for him and so the fact that this droid is bringing out emotion in another person was crazy for me i like um, it i just and, i'm not like on the list of characters that i don't understand but care about right it's like chewbacca yeah. r2d2 uh, any uh, alien ship, by the way, the one that talks and calibrates seriously things. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I'm gonna rem I'm gonna remember the ship longer than I'll remember the red box. Is I'm not saying oh, I'm not saying box. he's ruined the show or like no, it, I, the show I, is I totally bad understand. now. Like I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> it, like that's a part of it that's not working for me. And I think and I just, that might be the tenuous connection that they have left to um original star wars which is we need something for the slightly younger audience that's going to be watching this right because there's probably 14 year old 15 year old 16 year old kids watching with their parents and they're like this is a little intense but hey look there's a droid it's a, he's a yeah. bunch of little droid right oh, that's fine. Sad. yeah that's great and that's basically all i'm saying is for me i was like oh my god how did this droid how did this character actually bring out these emotions and how did it like, how was it so sad? Because, you know, at first I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And I've never really, maybe with R2 when Princess Leia dies, you know, mm -hmm. in the way that R2 reacted to that, that was pretty sad, too. But there's never really been a droid that displays emotion the way that B2 did. And I thought it was very interesting. And another just kind of thing from this whole series, they're finding different ways to invoke emotions with different characters. Um, Kino, for instance, Andy Serkis did a wonderful job, like motivating. You know what I mean? In that last episode where he's screaming into the into the intercom and getting people pumped up, like you don't see that in Star Wars. That's completely different. You know, even Droid or not, the fact that they in brought that kind of emotion into this was was impressive for me. Um, and I really, I really liked Brasso. I really liked the way that he kind of took care of that droid and like helped him get through it um yeah. by the way brasso is played by joplin sibtain he was in lego star wars star wars battlefront and he was also a voice in horizon zero dawn it's he uh played olin 
It's really smart of them to hire somebody who already has a Star Wars name to play a Star Wars character. Like, that makes it way easier. (laughs) Right? Like, shit. But I, but this, okay, so here's the thing about this that I will say here. All the acting in this show, really good. Um, Can't remember any of the characters' names. Like, there's too much, like, grief and Keef and Marva and Gorbo and Brasso and... (laughs) Like I, I promise I'm not. One of my one of my initial reactions to the first episode was everything is still has a stupid name. <laughs> like <laughs> I I can't. There's too many. Like it's in space, so there's an X. Like and and again, I'm a Trekkie. Like we're we're just as guilty as everyone, right? Like I get it. Um, but I think what's really impressive about this is that it doesn't matter. I know who all the characters are. I know how I feel with each character when they're on the screen. I have like deep emotional investments in those characters, even though I'm not 100% sure really who any of them are or what they're doing, which I think is actually thematically kind of perfect for this show, right? Like they called uh, Andor Clem for the first 10 of 12 (laughs) episodes. I was like... Right, Clem, and then what was his name in the jail? He had a different name in the prison Keith. too. Keith, Keith, Keith. Yeah, that's right. Clem and Keith. Yeah, and it was just Clem, like Keith Clem. Clem. Yeah, so there was there's been multiple things where I'm like, I don't like this small detail, but it's not detracting from my enjoyment. Like, right, I've been pretty impressed as a person who generally starts a new Star Wars show with my arms crossed. I've been generally pretty <laughs> impressed, and that's I'm really happy to hear that. Like I said, I've been kind of gunning for this like i've been i've been wanting you to have some sort of star wars that you enjoy i mean mandalorian clearly like that that's a great show on the first season especially but but other than that it's been kind of hit or miss with with a lot of not just you but just people in general Mm -hmm. and i look at you jesse as like the general public for star wars because you're not as involved as say justin or i you're looking at it like you said watching it with your arms crossed and stuff and that's that's the kind of opinion that I want in these shows. You know, I don't yep. I don't necessarily always want everyone to love every aspect of Star Wars. Speaking of that, uh, Claire says C-3PO in Episode 9 conveys emotion when he says, I'm just looking at my friends one last time. I will not lie to you. I've only seen Episode 9 one and a half times. No, and uh, it's not my favorite. No. So <laughs> that line was actually in the trailer. It was. Um, it was, yes. And I... So and it I, does. There's a little bit of the emotion trailer. there for sure. So, Justin, I have an auditorily based memory. If I hear something one time, I've got it. Um, yeah, for the most part. Um, <laughs> that's but I, wild. So, <laughs> it's also a. It's a little bit of a curse. Um, but it's like so. Like when Josh and I talked about the Last Jedi, I was like, every ten minutes, I was like, it's not going to be what you expect. Remember, because you said that in the trailer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean. that is that is one of those things where it's like i think that so the thing that's impressed me the most about this to your point josh is that there is a distinctly star wars feel to it but it is so not star wars in so many ways that i'm like i think i can deal with this like i kind of want to jump a little further into what's going on here because it's definitely i mean it's pretty blatantly anti-fascism like mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. way through which is great that's those are stories you should tell and, and there's and even there's even like hints of sexism in this too with oh, with yeah. the imperial lady and like oh, all yeah. that stuff they're doing all sorts of um 
pol- like current political things in this. And that's another Star Trek point that I brought up earlier in the season is that they're bringing in these current events and like political views and things that are happening in the real world and incorporating that into Star Wars, which mm-hmm. I really, really, really appreciate. It's a first time for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome to see that they're incorporating yeah. that. But then again, you called it in the very beginning. It's not your grandfather's Star Wars. <laughs> well, it's if I if I may draw this parallel to Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, the thing that a good prequel does is expand on what you already know about the universe you love without taking something away from what's already there. Right. So. This show does that by going, hey, this whole like evil empire thing from all of the movies and TV shows. What if we like paid attention to that? <laughs> like, right? What is what is it like to live in the empire? What is it like to be nose chinman? Right? Like, <laughs> how, what does a regular empire employee go through in the everyday course of like super super low level? fascism and Mm -hmm. like ultra bureaucracy ultra bureaucracy like that guy's life is just one frigging wall of bland nothingness after another (laughs) right like visually they show him like yeah here here are just rows of the same apartment here's rows of the same cubicle whatever it is and he's like i just like i want to fight good people even if it's just something for to do like because i don't have a purpose right like i want this to be my purpose is order and it's it's the thing that i really love about it is that it's not necessarily going look at this terrible person right it's going look at this person and how he responds to all this ridiculous pressure yeah Yeah. because in fascism everything rolls downhill right Mm -hmm. like Every every imperial is shown to be super confident when talking to their subordinates, but never when talking to their boss. Like right. they're all ordering their subordinates around like they were born doing it. But when their boss is in the room, they're very terrified, shitting their pants. Yeah, because it's like that's just there. That's how it is. There's no trust, right? Like yeah, yeah. It's 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 very grown up for a Star Wars, and I'm the thing that makes me so excited about it is that this is what was already there. They just hadn't delved into the backdrop of the whole thing, right? Like they've always not, taken it making from stuff like, up. like on the outside. Like if you're looking at a big ball, they're just doing Star Wars from the very, very outside of it. And this show is diving into what's in the center of that mm-hmm. and what what it's like to be in the center of that with everything else happening around you, like you were saying. And I absolutely have loved that, and I love that point. See, um, I, I want to see a Gary the Stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just an everyday life of of a stormtrooper and hearing about these asshole rebels just killed my buddy's base. It'd be funny just to see the counter. I mean, we've kind of gotten some of that. We saw a stormtrooper take a piss in this series. You know, just hanging out with his buddies, going to a rock and taking a pee and like, what do you think about this thing? Uh, you know, and there's been a lot of that when it comes to this series. Like, just kind of real people. You're just looking at real people. It's not... It's not Luke Skywalker. It's not Emperor Palpatine. It's well Gary from Troop three thirty seven on whatever. You know, it specifically is not black and white, right? It's exclusively the gray. Like that is the yeah. only part of this story that we're seeing is like the the morally ambiguous part, which is right. great. That's why it, that's why it feels so different 
to traditional Star Wars, right? Because traditional Star Wars is good versus bad. This mm-hmm. is people versus environment. Well, and and you're seeing like with good. with the rebellion, like the rebellion could be considered bad at this point. I mean, look what Luthen does in this series, mm-hmm. in this episode. We we could skip to that, you know, with Luthen and Saw, and how he admits to Saw that he's going to basically sacrifice these other people for the greater good. And Saw even says, "For the greater good." Well, and he even tells him like, "You don't have to let me do this, but I will do this." Like, right. so the thing that I really like about Lucian, Luthen, 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 I don't know yeah. how to say his name. <laughs> the thing I really I just like call him about, Skarsgård. Yeah, oh, the thing God. I really like about Skarsgård is that he's he's so like frighteningly resigned <laughs> to, to like, and we see it right in this episode where he's like, "Dude, I like I have no soul. That is, that's what I sacrificed <laughs> yeah. to be doing yep. this." I gave up literally everything that I believed in because I know the only way out of this is very difficult and difficult decisions are going to have to be made on other people's behalf. Right. Like, right. And that's a theme that keeps coming up here in this whole series. The willingness to fight for a sunrise you will never see. Right. He, I believe that was almost his exact words. Yeah. Um, but like, we know that saw is willing to do that. Right. We know that, um, Andy Serkis character is willing to do that. Like we've known that every character in the first uh, three episodes, every, every character from town was willing to do that. Right. Like they're all banging on the trash to alert everybody that something is happening. Like it is a repeated theme throughout this and to see it culminate repeatedly, but in different ways and in on, on all sides is like, it's very, very f- enjoyable to watch, very entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, this episode especially has been one of my favorites so far. There's so much happening in this episode. Everyone is about to do something crazy. By the end of this episode, like, Luthen already kind of did something crazy by taking down an entire Star Destroyer. Like, wh- what? A and gangster then, was that, though. Very then, casual. Yeah, yeah. You got Cyril, who we were talking about, who's like preparing to go find Andor. You have Vel, who looks like she's preparing to go do something for Mon Mothma. Like, she seems like she's getting ready. Like, let's talk about that for a minute, the whole Mon Mothma scenario. Oh, yeah. um, first of all, Jesse, what have been your thoughts on Mon Mothma leading up to the end of this episode? So that the actress has been doing an amazing job. Um, again, I, I've had to skip every credit to make this, but the job that everyone is doing has been very impressive to me. The thing that I am really impressed with where Mon Mothma is concerned is that she really does seem to be balancing so many emotions over the course of a scene, and you can you can see that and believe all of those things. Um, there is part of her that still loves her husband. There is part of her that despises her husband. There is part of her that wants to keep her daughter safe. There's part of her that's like, she is the worst person and I (laughs) do not like her. Um, there is part of her that's like, I would do anything for the rebellion. And there's part of her that's like, I kind of have a line and you can see all of that in a believable way. Um, I have to assume that she is essentially a Leia stand-in 
for us, right? Like, yeah, like the this heroine. Is a, well, this is a role that would go to Leia, you know, if were, were that possible, I think. Um, yeah. It's, it's the, you know, fearless, multifaceted leader. But <clears throat> I do really appreciate that they picked a character from, you know, the continuity that I will understand as a casual fan and that it isn't secretly a Jedi. Spoiler alert. If you <laughs> have never seen Star Wars before. Um, so I, but, but her performance throughout has been very, very, uh, believable as they all have been. But I think hers in particular has had the, the, uh, my emotional core, right? Because it seems like she really is trying to do, excuse me. It seems like she really is trying to do the right thing underground with the rebellion and overground at the Senate. Right, like yeah. she's she's seems like she's kind of taking on the world, right. which is the exact same thing that Cassian Andor is doing, and I think that was really cool. Like an episode or two back, where the uh, the other smuggler guy was like, "Hey, let's just take everything, me and you. It'll be fine. We'll split." And then, boom, is dead. <laughs> like yeah. that was great because to me, as soon as he was like, "It's actually me versus everybody," Cassian went, "Oh, then." then you're not on my team. Like, right. That's right. I can work on a team if I need to. You can't, that's bad. So it's, yeah. you know, seeing that parallel between those two characters, between all the characters really, but between those two in particular is really, really fun to watch. I agree. Um, just in this episode, we kind of found out that Mon Mothma made a deal with Davo. It seems like she's actually made this deal to She's selling her daughter her daughter Game yeah star what, wars we we questioned that last week what do you what do you think about that revelation justin um just uh going back in what jesse said to, to see this complex of confusion it confused uh emotions that take place uh going on with their decision to actually do this to sell her daughter quote unquote it, into this loveless marriage just thought right out of the bat uh, with this gangster. And it's sort of fulfilling the, uh, I guess, uh, the customs, the old customs of the planet. And it's very obvious she didn't agree to this. And it sort of takes a feminist view that it's touched, I would, I would say, very lightly touched that it's against this customs. But uh, overall, like, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride to see her change from the person to see in the beginning to where where she is now actually going through with this uh marriage with this whole thing yeah do and you think do you think she's uh, asking vel val do you think she's asking that person to go kill the guy <laughs> like i don't think she actually is i think she was just finally confiding in someone like she had someone that she could trust that she could tell that stuff to like because i think at that moment she was like holy shit, i'm in so much trouble and was like, I just need to talk to. Is it, I think it's her sister or her cousin. She's family. Sister. sister. Okay. So yeah, and you know what better person to confide in? I think Vel now, like I was saying, is going to do something crazy, either kill the dude or go rob another imperial bank mm. to get the money back. Um, it's it's very interesting to see Mon like breaking down in in this and uh, and to see what what deals she actually made. Um, I also think it's quite weird that there's a cultish 
like thing that the Chandrellians are involved in. Like those girls sitting around the the table reciting this whatever they're reciting. Oh, Handmaiden's Tale. Yeah, it was very strange, but it's cool. It's another example of how this show in particular is breaking out of the bubble that Star Wars has been in and showing us other lore and other... I mean, the Jedi are a story of of caution against religious fanaticism, right? Like, that's not... Sure, (laughs) but we're seeing different religious... Yeah things you know religious insaneness and and i'm i'm enjoying that aspect too um what uh is was there anything else on mon mothma that you guys wanted to discuss justin's had like a a roller coaster of emotions with her at first he didn't like her and now he's like all about her yeah i thought she was boring and then uh something just clicked and i'm like oh she's sort of badass but it turns out you're wrong (laughs) no no she she proved she in her own way she's pretty damn cool (laughs) <laughs> She's taking on the world on her shoulders, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've, yeah. I've really enjoyed her performance. And I I got to say, like, a from a visual standpoint, gorgeous series, right? Like, everything looks beautiful. The costuming is immaculate. The set work is super impressive. Uh, I had planned to go up. Oh, there's the... LED background wall. There's the LED background wall. They didn't use that wall. in this series. But I have, again, I haven't seen it anywhere and I haven't been paying enough attention because everything that I've seen, I was like, this all looks practical to me. Or like yeah. matte paintings. You know what it actually really feels like a lot, Josh? Is uh, Logan's Run. Dude. Like, the city looks like... <laughs> He's saying that. Has he? Yeah. So we, so Josh and I watched... I watched Logan's Run for the first time ever with Josh for our other show, Sudden But Inevitable, which you can also find on podcasting apps. But, it like, the whole city is the same. It, it's like a futuristic, dystopian city, right? Like, yeah. And the yeah. music, oh. Yep. And the music's been so different, too, throughout yeah. this whole series. That, that first episode where you have that, like, rock and roll drums going on, I was like, what? Okay. And, like, the All right. distorted <laughs> tape audio is, like, yeah. so completely the opposite of a John Williams score. I'm mm-hmm. I'm completely here for this. Like, there is no decision other than maybe the red robot box where I was like... <laughs> this series really missed, right? Like, I feel like every department is hitting a home run here so far. Again, if they put a Jedi in the last episode, I'm going to be pissed, but... I... I really, really doubt they're going to just oh, the way that this will. has been. They're going to do if a they, If they were to do it, it would probably be someone like Ahsoka, where she's, mm. she's playing Fulcrum, and it wouldn't even be her in the shot, it would be, like, her voice. And she'd be playing Fulcrum from Rebels, where you don't know who it is. Yeah, I I don't think they're going to do anything that crazy, because they've done a good job of sticking with the real-life aspects of Star Wars, Mm -hmm. and not the the mystical Jedi stuff. Uh, Claire has one question. Do you think Vel is going to try and stop the marriage, or rather, arranged marriage? Um, I don't think she's going to do that. I think she's going to be more inclined to rob somebody and just get them out of debt well so does she she does not have any of the money from the that's what i'm thinking is maybe she's gonna go find andor now to get money from him Hmm. because andor has a shit ton of money and he has a kyber crystal hanging around his neck or i guess probably not anymore right because he was in no he does 
Well, did he get it? They didn't take that. Oh, he he kept it in his box. It's in his box. Oh, okay. That he left in the hotel. He opened the he box, but I don't recall what's in it other than a gun and money. <laughs> if Josh sounds says like, the crystal was in like that box, I, I believe him. Oh, yeah, I believe him. I can bring it up real quick, but I'm almost positive <laughs> it's in that, that shot. You can see like part of the necklace or something like that. Mm. I didn't um, even think that Vel could. I didn't think that was a possibility, Vel going to find Andor to get the money. Well, she's on the hunt right now. Her friend is on Ferrix mm-hmm. and she uh, waiting for Andor to show up. Yeah, she knows that his mother died, his adoptive mother died, mm-hmm. and um, she may know that he tried to contact them, which is like a serious kick to like the metaphorical nuts, right? Like, hey, cool, man, you're out of jail. Good job. And you ran into like the two chillest aliens ever in Star Wars. Like... These are the only aliens ever where all you had to do was go, I don't like the Empire. And they went, oh, us neither. Cool. You want to be friends? Do you want to get <laughs> on this ship? Should we start a revolution? Like, it, I was very happy for that um, development. But, of course, they would just crush that silver lining with, you know, telling Cassian over the air that his mother has passed. It was just like, masterfully played, sir. You raised my hopes and then dashed them quite expertly. <laughs> So, how do you feel about the way they're burying Marva? Yeah, like the whole putting her into a brick and literally just a brick in the wall. So that's that actually goes back to that same bricks in the wall. Well, it goes back to the same theme as before, right? She was willing to fight for a sunrise that she wouldn't see. She's willing to be a brick in the wall that supports the people, right? Like because their their culture demands that everybody support each other josh if you want to jump in you're muted just so that you're fully aware of that i'm muted because i keep clicking my mouse to find this scene oh. and i don't want it to go <laughs> through the mic don't worry i'm listening gotcha yeah so it just i think that it was a one more way to drive that home right like everybody here except cassian so far has been willing to commit to a cause right like yeah. he hasn't had to do that yet he has been paid or <clears throat> been trying to survive or been trying to get out of prison so he hasn't really had a cause yet right the one time that you could say that he bought into the cause is when he was talking to luthan and he was like don't you want to have a chance to help me fight the empire and he went you know i'm gonna go ahead and guess jesse said you know Yes, I'd like to do that. Yeah, that's a hell of a lag there, Jess. I'm not going to be the same kind of prisoner that the rest of you are. Like, it's just going to be... It's gonna You be lagged different. out really hard right there. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Where at? You know, right, uh, right there. <laughs> that was pretty um, much it. It's, it's okay, because you probably didn't miss much. But point being, it is a it is one more illustration of that point where everybody has a cause that they're willing to give themselves to to this point, except Cassian. Cassian has just had situational reasons to be in this show up to this point, for the most part. He really yeah. hasn't had the option to choose good or bad, I, I would say. He hasn't been placed in that situation. Yeah. 
This is a yeah, good so point from Claire. I was just going to say, chat, now, yeah. that I, now that I'm thinking about it, I do remember him giving Vel the necklace at the end and going, take this back to your friend, I'm out. So why wouldn't she just hawk that? Because she knows it's worth at least 30 and she needs 40, right? She might have. Or does she need 400? She needs 400,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thank you. Thank you, Claire. Good catch. Yes, absolutely. Because I was just, I just found the picture of the box and it was literally <laughs> just was like, guns oh no. and money. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, shit, I was I'm wrong. wrong here. Thanks, Claire. There's a gun and money. <laughs> I literally, like, if she didn't post that, I was going to go back to the last episode with Andor and, and Vel and find that scene and, and play it. But we didn't have to, which is wonderful. Um, I really love the dialogue of this, right? All the dialogue of Star Wars has been wonderful. Sorry, I'm, I'm just kind of, like, going. Um, but with Vel in particular, like, we're still on this this thing here um i love when she's talking to to clea and she asks her what have you done for him lately and clea's like i don't have lately um jesse what have what have you thought about i know justin and i have just gushed over all of the scripts and everything in this series have you been as impressed with the dialogue as we have <clears throat> i would say yeah for the most part i think that this is you could argue this is the best dialogue Star Wars has ever seen, right? Um, it's also pretty, like, straightforward, and you could argue some of it's pretty expositional. Like, here's how the Empire works. This is how sectors are organized. <laughs> this is what my job is. This is why it's interesting. This is why it's not interesting. But there's, like, you need, that's what a real world would feel like, right? Is boring, and it would have mundane details that might eventually be incredibly important for some reason but would seem <laughs> like a throwaway thing so it's it's been really believable and like even the petulance of cyril and his mother has felt natural to me like it's it's easy for Star Wars, I think, to get away with going, and this character's just mean, so they say mean stuff <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but, like, they really do go to sh to lengths to show this lady is just part of this system. Like, she's she's been stepped on her, her whole life. The only person she can step on is this guy. So she's gonna do it. Like, it doesn't yeah. doesn't matter that it's also her son, right? Like, right. She, she is the prison guards, right? She has no real power she just believes that she does and her prisoners believe that she does and he's starting to realize oh i i outnumber her you know metaphorically and sure it's it's a to bring up the dialogue i think is a really good point because the dialogue has always been a spot where star wars you could has easily lacked. argue has fallen down <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah it's and it's definitely been one of my favorite aspects of this because again as an adult like i love star wars no matter what it is i just watched tales of the jedi cheesy ass dialogue but such a fun watch um you know any other star wars that i watch is, is great it's always cheesy dialogue there's some bits and pieces that are like oh that's you know pretty philosophical or something but like most of the time it's my name is luke skywalker i'm here to rescue you like mm, yeah okay this one is much different and and each character has all their their different um spotlights you know every character has had some sort of spotlight of dialogue and it has been a treat luthan's sure. luthan's piece in this where he was talking about 
uh, his sacrifices, right? And he he says something like, "I made my mind a sunless place without joy." That was, that was, was like, the the last scene of last episode. When still, he was I was like, the guy. "Holy yes. hell!" Yes. <laughs> like the the ability to deliver a line like that and not have it sound like you're reading it off of a script is <laughs> yeah. I mean, because no nobody talks like that, right? Like right, unless they really really mean it, and then they right. will. I mean, that's that's a man bearing his soul, and I think that that's yep. that and the ability of all of the actors that I have seen in this series to convey despair and momentary hope on their faces in a flash and within seconds of each other is masterful. That was my next point, too, is the facial expressions of this. I would argue one point. Please, please do. Saw Guerrero or Forrest Whitaker's facial expressions are lacking. Disagree. What? I don't see. I don't see anything <laughs> in his eyes. Like what? He's yeah, he's top insane, side of the face dude. is totally stagnant. Bottom yeah. side is all emotion. He shows yeah, nothing he's with cr- his eyes. Right. Yeah, he's that's, gone. That's like, the point. <laughs> yeah, he's gone, dude. <laughs> all right, all right. His mind is gone. He's really fucking good. His his he eyes are. Good. Dude, Forrest, are, are you kidding me? Faded. Are you realizing right now that Forrest Whitaker is a good actor? You oh, get out of here. <laughs> I have a point in that. But I he's, think uh, he's trying to act that way. Yes. Where, where's it at? Where's it at? Like he, um, the dude is is he's playing this role so well, right? Because he's like, he is a loose cannon, and he, this is the reason that Lucen had to go to him and be like, "Here's my hand. Like I, right. I'm just gonna show you my hand because right. I have literally no effing clue how you're gonna react to this. Like, <laughs> I would really rather not." bring you into this circle but i also know that you've got the sickest black x wings <laughs> like and i'm gonna need those at some point right <laughs> so it's like it's it for him to go there and just explain straight up here's what's going on it's up to you do you want to go try and save them and maybe that works and then we have to start over or do you want to lose 30 guys to maybe save a million do the goods and the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one in this instance and saw rightfully so is like yes they do <laughs> i couldn't help myself i had to get one in <laughs> no but he kills it in this too like Dude. like i was saying in the in the synopsis you kind of see his spiral into madness with this one and how he's yeah. falling into it and it's kind of not necessarily his fault like luthan kind of played him a little bit yeah and then you know he's like i'm gonna you're gonna come to this job for me and it's gonna be great and then a day later he comes back and he's like oh yeah never mind uh you don't want to do that anymore and saw's like wait what i just got all excited about this and now you're gonna tear it away from me like what's like and i know (laughs) that you did all that stuff and he's like okay so you're like telling me that you have spies every wait a minute of course, you. That's the only way. You, oh my God! There are spies everywhere, <laughs> right? And I Play love that scene. Exactly. I love that scene where he plays on his paranoia, and he's like, "Yeah, he's my guy." He calls and him tubes. tubes. Is like what? <laughs> so good. I love yeah. tubes. Yeah. Tubes is probably one of my favorite characters of this whole that's, series. His name that's is Tutu. His name is Tubes. Yeah, yeah, Tutu. Yeah. Um, which with there you go with your names of Star I would, Wars being just. I phenomenal. would die for Tubes. Let me just say that. <laughs> he's my favorite. But making making Saw go crazy that way, like he Saw doesn't know who he can trust now, and this is why when you get to Rogue One, 
he's like, I don't want to work with anybody. Are you kidding me? Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's looking at Jin, someone he raised, and he's like, you brought them to me? Because people all his life have been going behind his back and, and doing shady things. So I love seeing this. First of all, I love Forrest Whitaker coming back. I love that he's really good at playing a younger saw even though it's only a few years younger you can still see he's a little bit more spry in this than he was in rogue one clearly he doesn't have like an oxygen tank and stuff um but he's just he's phenomenal and i i love every every part of it and i hope that he's still around season two you know season three um because he he's gonna be a good staple in in this series if if he sticks around one of my favorite things i think about tubes is that (laughs) even though he's definitely an alien right like on purpose they just use him as a guy like there's nothing they're they're not like hey use your telepathy that your alien race has to do a thing or like oh he can't like he can detect a lie with his hair or something right like it's just a guy he's like oh this guy doesn't did a thing and he's like no dude i didn't like it doesn't matter (laughs) That he's an alien, right? That's just how Star Wars is. Like mm-hmm. it's, it is a well placed, you know, uh, real scenario on a fantastic backdrop. Yep. Um, and speaking of like different aliens, I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but the uh, Niamese aliens that we saw at the very beginning um, mm. were wonderful. And one one kind of point that I wanted to ask or question that I had. Um, these aliens are great. They're brand new. They have cool weapons, like cool little spider web traps that are awesome. Um, they speak in a funny language. They have a wonderful costume design. Like the one is, he's got like a, a, a tin hat. Looks like he had an injury and they put a piece of metal on his head. And then he's got like a, a ponytail going around it. And just the intricacy of, of these aliens has been... Wonderful. By the way, they were played by um, some fairly unknown voice actors. When I first heard the the first alien's voice, I was like, "Oh my god, that's uh, Sean, Sean of the Dead, whatever that guy's name mm. is." Um, Simon Pegg. It sounded it sounded a lot like Simon Pegg from Episode Seven. Mm. Um, but then I looked into it, and it's actually Liam Cook and Matthew Lyons. They're they're very unknown actors. They're th- they're in some like cartoons and they do some writing and stuff, but I it's I thought one of the guys uh one of the aliens looked like uh Dexter from Dexter Jester from episode 2. Yeah. Oh, it's one of them cloners. Funky. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. He's one of my favorite. I I need to get a figure of his cuz he's he's wonderful. He's Dexter the Jetster. He's the Bob's Burger alien. Right? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for right it. there. Um so with those new aliens though, we've seen a lot of those. We've seen through this whole series, we rarely see any old planets or old aliens that we're familiar with in the Star Wars universe. How have you liked that in Star Wars, Jesse? I know that Justin and I have kind of gone back and forth where I would like to see maybe like a Dantooine or, you know, the other side of Hoth or just some planet that we're familiar with but haven't seen all of or that we've heard of and haven't well, seen yet. And they haven't done any of that. So I'd argue that... Aside a, from Coruscant. Coruscant I was going to say, I'd argue that for a casual fan, that is what they're doing for the whole show because Coruscant, we, we know as like very rich and glitzy, which is where 
Mon Mothma is hanging out, and then it's like, but the underside of that is just sort of gray and depressing, and that's where we've seen uh, it in cartoons. I guess Chinman lives, but but a casual fan is probably not going to have seen that. Not going to exactly. Um, But I, I gotta say, I really am actually glad that we're not on Tatooine, specifically. Like, I'm glad to not be on a desert planet. Um, I I appreciated having a bit of an ocean planet. With with the uh, a vacation the, planet, the, yeah, with the prisons. We're uh, finally in paradise. Right. We're finally getting some different biomes here yeah. on the same planet, even which is just mind blowing. Uh, <laughs> but i I have I think I've actually appreciated that they've drawn the connecting threads with the tech and with the empire being the one familiar thing, right? Because in an oppressive situation that would be the thing that's the same everywhere is the presence of the empire even if it's just a little bit in the background like with corporate employees it's still there the empire's tech and hard lines against nature right like that is the that's the juxtaposition that you're talking about like showing us the different sides of the worlds so to speak of star trek or sorry of star wars it's not so much of the planets it's of the spheres that the people inhabit right mm-hmm. that's where they're showing us the the contrast right um and that's that's wonderful i'm oh he's gone uh jesse will be back i'm sure shortly um justin we've gone through pretty much the entire episode we've covered a lot of things um we have one more exciting thing to cover and i know you know what i'm talking about but before yeah. we get to that um, is there anything else leading up to that that you would that you that we missed that you want to talk about, Justin? Uh, I just miss how they didn't really throw in too much of a Deidre in this episode, but I know we'll get a, a lot of her tomorrow. I feel like in in these episodes they pick one character to not do as much with. You know, like there's so many characters and so many threads going on in this show that each episode they're like, okay, well. We can probably leave Cyril out of this one. Eh, we could probably leave Deidre out of this one because there's a lot of other stuff happening, you know, um, with Andor's mom. She was out of a few episodes, and then she's actually a huge part of it now. She's basically the catalyst that's going to bring all of these different threads together. Um, but I I do like Deidre. She's, she's grown on me, and I, I, I would have liked to see her scowl a little bit more in this episode. <laughs> that's for sure. The... Uh... The twist on her bun is like, I mean, it does something for me. I'll just I'll, I'll throw that out there. Right it kind of gives. I don't me know a how they. <laughs> I don't know how they do that. I don't know how that's like humanly possible for <laughs> hair to, but I think they did a good job. I will leave it at that. Um, yeah. There you go. That costume design is wonderful. Wow. Um, so then the last piece of this episode that we got to talk about before we get into segments, of course, is that that space battle that we got. It's the first and only dogfight slash space battle that we've had in this entire series, and it did not disappoint. Nope. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is the Star Destroyer that comes in. Um, what was really that? Cool. It's a really cool the design. thing is so weird. It is actually an Arrestor Cruiser Cantwell class. Now, the cool thing about that is Cantwell Satellite. is named after Colin Cantwell, who was the original designer of the Death Star who just passed away this last year or two. He designed that Star Destroyer for A New Hope. 
and they never used it. So they brought it into Andor and called it the Cantwell class to give it a a uh, whatever a, a callback to him. Yeah. Um, that was and I such that a was really weird cool. ship, though. I actually like, met. What Colin is the Cantwell purpose of at, having at three Comic-Con. giant satellites on the front of your ship? It's a. It's a. Other than like communications. Beam. Tractor beam well, and to to cut communications and to bring in ships. Well, and if you have three uh, slightly different uh, telescopic sources, you can use them to triangulate an exact coordinate very uh, precisely. Um, it is the Star Trek answer. The Star Wars answer is circles on a cool. triangle look funky. And, <laughs> and that's good enough for me. Like, I'm, to me, that's good enough. Like, I'm, I don't ask a lot. <laughs> from my my star franchises one of the things is cool spaceships and like i'm i don't know if i'm on record as having said that i think the best use of star destroyers i have ever seen in star wars is the jousting star destroyers episode of star wars visions where oh, uh, yeah. neil patrick harris and i think uh oh my gosh i cannot remember the other actor's name but yeah like that was that was so good. Like yes, put two people on star destroyers and have them joust each other with them. Why are you not doing that, in Star Wars? <laughs> like, you have space wizards. You can do whatever you want. Why are you not doing that? Right. Yeah. So, but I really really liked this funky star destroyer because if it looks weird, it's almost a shorthand for oh that must be really strong or specialized, right? Like you know immediately that something is up, yeah. and for Skarsgård to just very casually like all right begin star destroyer leave them in the dust protocols <laughs> yeah version 1 <laughs> like dude and how epic was that plan. how epic <laughs> was that whole scene like yeah. him and his oh. computer tie obviously and i loved him like talking to this ship like all right get this prepared get this ready okay on my mark and the the whole way that he takes out that satellite fucking epic this whole scene was just one of the one of my favorite dogfight space scenes in all of star wars so and so it's actually i think that it is a sort of a firefly-esque dogfight here because like i don't know that we have i don't know that i personally have seen a lot of star wars where they physically throw crap at a ship (laughs) like because that would be really easy to do like you put very hard sand behind you. That should be enough, right? Like in space, right? You know. <clears throat> so, and you know, I I guess I don't understand how shields would work for a star destroyer. Do they not have shields by default? Do they have to be have near to a generator or something? Yeah, I think Earth it's something with the power. tractor beam. I think when the tractor beam oh, is yeah, up, yeah. the shields are down. That makes sense because you know you'd have to put your shields down to beam somebody aboard. So right. it makes sense for that kind of beam too. I think right. that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, just like to casually go, all right, turn on the deception protocol. All right. And while that is running, I'm going to turn on the FU protocol. (laughs) And while the FU protocol charges, I'm going to just make fun of you over the comms. Like, (laughs) I mean, he wasn't right. Like it wasn't, it wasn't quite a Poe Dameron situation. I was going to say he was was doing what what Poe Dameron should have done in Last Jedi. Like it was much more realistic to me. Right. It was, let me just, you know, put on that casual voice. And, I mean, 
he's done a great job all the way through playing two characters, right? Playing yeah. the museum owner and the, or the, you know, the gallery owner and the rebel leader, basically. Right. So yeah, I just, I've, I've, I think that, excuse me, I think that watching him not freak out about that at all is maybe a good indicator as to his past, right? Yeah. Like he's, he's going, like, I've dealt with more. Well, and maybe I know exactly the steps they're going to go through. Sure. Because I think he is either very high-ranking, like, Empire, or used to be very high-ranking in the Empire. Right? I could like, see that. I could see that There is sure. some reason that he is so well-connected and so ready to tear this thing down. That would like, make a lot of sense, and that would bring, uh, you know, a little bit of... What's what's the word? It, w- it would make my Thrawn prediction of this series be a little bit more legit if he was a high-ranking officer. Because I still think he's a ga- he's a, he owns a gallery. He has a, he has a lot of yeah. expensive collectible pieces. And I keep saying that if they're gonna bring anyone in, because it's not gonna be a Jedi. If they're gonna bring anyone in to get people like a Star Wars boner, it's gonna be Thrawn, and he's gonna <laughs> show up at Luthen's shop and be like. Yes, I'd like to buy some of your expensive goods, please. A Thrawn on? Happy. <laughs> yeah. That is. A, a Thrawner? <laughs> a. What, what's. We'll, we'll workshop. Yeah, it. we'll do it. I have uh, such Claire, a Thrawner. <laughs> oh my God. Claire <laughs> like says that, that she thought. She, Never mind, I went out. Claire thinks that the. Uh, or thought that the satellites were mini death star weapons which would have been pretty cool too and i i also had that thought at the first i was like oh man luthan is is screwed right now um but we all found out now that they are actually just satellites for tractor beams um i want you guys to pick one part of that last fight scene or last scene that you really enjoyed the most let's start with justin just because i've never seen it in star wars the double lasers just popping out just the moment they they turned on, I'm like, "What? This is new technology I haven't seen. What's gonna I thought it was happen?" Gonna be, I thought it was gonna be one of them FET bombs that comes out the seismic charges. I did because you you see the the side open up and you see like a canister or whatnot, and then yep. you just like the red lights turn on. You're like, "Oh shit! No way!" But at the same time, I thought it was very uh, Star or Star Trek esque. It looked like one of the shuttles. What say it's you, actually, Jesse? It's actually really close to a scene in the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, season one, episode six, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, in which the Enterprise is attempting to tractor a shuttle that oh, yeah. is then immediately torn apart and oh, everyone yeah. on board is assumed killed because they, they try to accelerate out of a tractor beam. That's right. Uh, I think they try to warp out of a tractor beam. So I was I had a moment where I was like, Oh, he's gonna kill himself like with tidal forces. Like he's gonna tear his ship in half by trying to accelerate out of this very clearly ridiculously good tractor beam. But then just like the casual, no, I'm gonna shred that and then I will leave on whenever I feel like it right. was really, really great. Yeah. But my favorite moment of it, I think, is at the end when he jumps there's a shot from behind all the Imperial officers where no one is doing anything. <laughs> it's just empty space. And they're all like, what, the f- what just happened? Uh, <laughs> like, that's like failing to 
pull over a defective vehicle with a with an aircraft carrier. <laughs> like I couldn't stop the Honda with my <laughs> aircraft carrier. <laughs> like what happened? That, that's bad. <laughs> like yeah. you, somebody's getting in trouble. That's all there is to it. And and you can tell that they know that. Like and I do I gotta say, I did love that one guy was like Hey, the tractor beam is going down, and he was like, "I can physically see that happening. Why are you, why are you telling me that?" <laughs> like, I I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah, that that was a really cool scene too of the Imperials just being like, "What actually just happened here? We had this guy in. Our, okay, well, we had him dead to rights, and now <laughs> yeah, we're we had, broken. We had yeah. a guy in a very small ship." Like in the beam, it was done. Yeah, like, um, I think one of my favorite parts of that whole scene was the very beginning when uh, Luthen is talking to Clea, and they're doing their like incognito speech about stuff. They're clearly mm. talking about Andor, but referring to this Andor piece, as the collection piece. and things being busy and not being able to get it. I really, really liked the vernacular that those guys used during that whole scene. And he specifically says. This is a piece that I don't want another collector to pick up. Right. Right. Does that mean that he fully believes that if somebody offered Andor enough money, he would just turn on them? Probably. Because like, if somebody else is out there going and finds him first, right? So he's got like all these layers of, I seriously got to find this this freaking Andor guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Andor knows who he is. Right. And that's one of Luthen's biggest thing that he was saying right. to Saw is that, you know, uh, the other guy has no idea who I am. He mm -hmm. doesn't know what's going on, but you do. You're more of a liability than anybody else. And I think Andor now is an extreme liability to not only Luthen, but Mon Mothma, because he worked mm -hmm. with Vel as well. Ha. Yep. So um, it's it's going to be really cool to see this season finale, and I absolutely cannot wait to have Phil on to talk about this whole series and the season finale, because all these different threads, like I said, are going to just smash into one here in this last episode. So Phil knows his stuff. Like if you if you are if you have been impressed by anything that Josh or Justin or I have ever remembered in a moment where you were like, oh, that's quite the connection. Dude. Phil is ten pages ahead of us. <laughs> yeah. Just so you're aware. literally ten pages. So so be ready next week. Like watch yeah. the series again, probably. Yeah, yeah, because he's going to have some good points, I'm sure. Um, but that being said, is there anything else that you guys wanted to cover in this episode before we moved on to segments? Let's oh. start with Jesse. Um, I will say I this whole series has made me want clothing with a magnetic clasp that closes the front <laughs> of it. I, think that's, I literally think more clothes will have that in the future, and I'm super jacked for it. <laughs> like I'm not kidding. Magnets. Justin, what about you? Uh, yeah, like the, so. Like if you look at the the cop uniforms from the first episode, yeah, Justin, yeah, yeah. like they close the flap closes with a magnet, and then there's a strap that comes over here. So okay. like you don't need the strap; it's purely decorative. the The shirt holds itself closed, basically, um, which is like I want that. I think the future is magnets and not zippers, not buttons. <laughs> like I want my shirt to be magically held to my body, much like. This com badge is magically held to my shirt here, my disco shirt. Every just, time. I think it would be cool. Is it, I'm not kidding. I want magnetic clothes. Is it just the convenience <laughs> and ease of it? What's so appealing? Yeah. I mean, like, right now, if I were to need to quickly disrobe, for example, right? 
we don't want to picture that. But right now I would have to like lift my arms over my head and make a noise that's like, oh, he's over 30. <laughs> but if I had a shirt that just opened in the front with a magnetic clasp, I could be like, oh, hello, uh, open for business, so to speak, right? So I just, I and they do a lot of magnetic clasping on the current Star Trek series, and I noticed it all over the Imperial uniforms. Like, uh, all the white uniforms in the ISB, they have a magnetic closure right here. Like, the one guy even had his flap open, I think, in yeah, the last yeah. episode or the episode prior. She's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, close your flap, man. Like, I want shirts with flaps, I guess, is what I'm saying. Oh, man. Makes sense. So, no, not a good point, but yes, I did, I did have one more point to make. I'm going to get my wife to design mag- magnetic clothing, and you're going to be our first model. I'm willing to do that. Justin, did you have anything else you wanted to cover for this episode? Besides magnetic clothing, I'm just happy Jesse overall likes it. <laughs> Me too, I think, for sure. I actually think our good friend Ricky D would really like this show too. Um, we have a friend Ricky D from a show called Best Flicks with Ricky D, and he notoriously does not enjoy uh, television <laughs> unless... <laughs> Unless it is gangster oriented or like, you know, organized crime based sort of a thing. So I think this might be the first Star Wars that Ricky D could just fully buy into. And I think I've been trying to get him on like pushing him. I think I will probably join you in the pushing. Do it. Um, I want to I want to bring up really quick. We've had some some viewers on this show. And apparently when you're commenting on Twitter, I don't actually see those comments. Oh, no. Um, so I did want to just kind of bring that up. I don't know if I'm getting everybody, but Jesse says, I spy with my eye, another Jesse. Um, and then we had <laughs> Kelly who came in and said, um, the droid is too cute, clearly talking about B2 emo. Um, also said, magnetic closures for clothing, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank and you. Then, and then... Those uh, are some of- our wonderful listeners from the Open Pike Night Circle and our friend Jesse actually hosts a, it used to be a Twitter space, but it's turning into a podcast oh. and it's entirely about Dr. Beverly Crusher and it's nice. called The Crusher Convo. It's nice. very good. Go check it out. That's yes. awesome. Um, and yes. then last thing Kelly said is Cyril is just a minor cog in the machine. He aspires to be more. He just doesn't have the skills to be sensible on how to do it. Um, yes. And he so desperately wants to matter. Right. Yep. Like he's willing to matter even for a terrible thing if it means that he will matter. And that's I mean, that's part of going back to, you know, Star Wars going, hey, fascism is bad is like that's part of what it does. Right. It makes you it beats you down to the point where you're like, I'll, I'll sacrifice my morals if I can just matter like that's right. And that's super insidious. Yeah. Excellent um, point, Kelly. Definitely. And thank you guys. I'm sorry I didn't see those comments earlier when you guys were commenting. Um, like I said, apparently Twitter just doesn't give me the comments on um, on my streaming service. So that being said, if, if you ever do want to listen to, uh, to Quest Me Again, hit us up on YouTube at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. And if you want to comment, I'll be able to put your comments on the screen and get you in there for sure but thank you again uh jesse and kelly for being a part of that um let's move on to segments and the first one we're going to do today is (laughs) 
it is the Sarlacc Killer shot, the part of the episode Sarlacc Killer scene. Sorry, I always mix that up, but it's part of the episode where we talk about our favorite still shot of this episode of Andor. So let's start with Jesse and talk about your Sarlacc Killer scene. It comes in at the 30 minute and 13 second mark. Why don't you tell us about this? Okay. I know this seems like a super innocuous shot. Justin was probably like, why did you pick this shot? There is a lot of cool <laughs> stuff in this episode. That's that exactly what I'm thinking. This box. <laughs> Here's why I picked this shot, Justin. This box. This, <laughs> this, this box is not Cassian's box, but it has very, very similar contents to Cassian's box that he goes back to when he is finally out of jail, right? He's like, okay, I need credits, I need guns, I need tools to disappear and get where I go and hurt people. This guy is going, I need those exact same things. I need credits, I need ID, I need my supplies. I need to be able Jewelry. to do my job. Yeah, I need to gear up and be who I am, right? And it is another parallel illustration of there are no good and bad people in this show there are just people in this show trying to survive no matter what that means and trying to make space for themselves in a place where there is constantly a boot on their neck so yes seems like a super innocuous pick but is actually kind of really really foundationally cool in my opinion and again, it brings the realistic aspect to this, showing that these people have one small safe with their personal belongings that, like yeah. like I do, I have a small area with all my collectibles and things that I need, you know, and it's very, very real. Thank you for that pick, and thank you for explaining that a little bit more, because when you sent it to me, I was like, uh, okay. I know he's got a reason for this. And you don't like B2? Do you like that shot? Uh, like, come on, come on. I'm just, I'm saying that I'm not going to remember B2 after next week. I'm not saying I don't <laughs> no, like you're him. you're fine. <laughs> uh, Justin, you like shot. his voice. Oh. He, you know, he does have a good voice. It's, you know, in his little st it's smooth. stutter. He's got a little bit of a stutter, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, I really like it. Justin, your shot comes in at the 35 minute and 45 second mark. Go ahead and tell us about this shot. Oh, uh, this shot is the realization that, oh, I fucked up somehow. Uh, we we touched on it briefly earlier. The the Admiral or whatever his rank is, is he doesn't even know what how to take this damage from the little hauling uh, Luthan ship that they just, he, uh, just done. So, like, he can see the, the matter floating around on the reflection and just see his scowl, realizing, like, how the hell did this just happen? One little ship in our tractor beam, we had it done and dealed, and now I have to report this. It was in that moment he realized he fucked up. <laughs> I made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. I know. This, one, this one's wonderful, too. We should can we, can we just call that imperial face? Because like that's the face <laughs> that imperials make, right? Like, how do you know think, you're having an imperial day? You make this face. I you're think, a little pinched. Like it's yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's perfect. And I and I think we should uh, we'll coin that and I'll send this off on Instagram <laughs> later and be like the imperial face. 
Well, and this that's why I didn't pick that shot, right? Because I'm like, this is obviously the best shot in the freaking episode, like, (laughs) by a mile. Like, this is the coolest shot. But it's obviously somebody was going to pick it, right? Because everything is there. I mean, it's that, it's really, it really is emblematic of the buildup and release of tension that the show is doing, like, the little mini arcs that you were talking about, Josh. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, everything's going to be bad right here. And it's like, no, everything's going to be bad next week. Right now, everything's fine. Right now, everything's fine. Everything's I'm just going to shred that, get out of here. But next week, everything's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, and actually, the best shot of the show comes in at the 35-minute and 36-second mark. It's one that Justin and I kind of both picked. Um, it's the it's the scene of the lasers coming out of the ship destroying the TIE fighters. Um, I really liked the background of the uh, Star Destroyer also with its satellite getting destroyed. Um, That's not my pick, though. My pick actually comes in at the 5 minute and 28 second mark, very early on in the show. It's, of course, B2 Emo, and it's him looking out the window being very emo. Um, (laughs) That's that's an overhead projector. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt that looks like middle school. It absolutely is. It is a a projector that they just put in some sort of trash can. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but I really like this shot. I really like how he's it's conveying that he's looking out the window being emo and being sad. Again, I enjoyed this this arc, this quote-unquote character arc of B2, you know, he was kind of sassy at the beginning, you know, kind of like Andor, come on, we got to get home and now he's just like, "Oh, I I have nothing to live for." And, you know, he's basically the butter passer in Rick and Morty now. You pass the butter. Oh, and I mean, kind of <laughs> has been that the whole time, but kinda. with a really great voice, right? Like, right. That's suppressing. Um, and I just, I really liked this shot in particular, just because of it. Just looks good. Most of the shots in this series have been really good, and um, it, it looks fantastic. Does the connection that these two have uh, with Marva make this robot? Cassian's brother? <laughs> oh my god. Right? Like does she kind of sure. adopt them both? Like I mean step they're both foster mourn brother. Her. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Step brother. What are you doing, we'll, step Cassian? We'll call, oh my god. I would view it more like a dog. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, a dog yeah, that's talk. that's where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. It's like a talking dog. Okay. Right. Except I would care if a dog were in danger. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. I still care about B2. Um, thank you guys for your picks. They were all, they were great. This this has been a wonderful episode, and the next segment is going to be even better. It's the one-chimers part of the episode where we talk about our favorite piece of dialogue from Andor. I don't know if you noticed, Justin, but I did change that one-chimers video up a little bit because saw, we got a new... Uh, scene of Hammerman hammering Bell. <laughs> Hammerman. So I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but again, let's just start, go with the same order. We're going to start with Jesse's one chimer, and it's this guy right here. The mystery of your former triumphs have been vanquished. <laughs> I can sleep peacefully now. Shut up, Mom. Isn't she <laughs> the best? Like, I do not know who that is, but I love her voice. Like, I could 
I could listen to her narrate anything. It's and it's a very specific enjoyment, right? Like if I had a headache when it started, I would not enjoy it. <laughs> but like if I'm feeling great, I love that voice. And it, it is just so sinister. She's so mean. Like and I get it. I get why she's mean. But she's so mean. And it's like He's, he's making a breakthrough here. Like, for him, this is a moment, right? Like, he's like, I have been right this whole effing time. I could be the one to prove that I was right. I could be the linchpin of this operation. And even still, she's like, oh, good. I guess you did used to have a job. Great. <clears throat> Which is like, that's, that's rough. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the mother character does not survive this series. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think she will. I I could see Cyril just snapping and being like, "Shut up, mom." Yeah. Um, she's actually played. We've never really discussed this, but she's played by Catherine Hunter. Um, Catherine Hunter was the only thing that I remember her from would be Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. She plays Mrs. Fig. Um, which as soon as I read that, I was like, "Oh yeah, totally." Oh yeah. Yeah. You just said um, but it. she's in. She's in a bunch of other things. She's in Rome. She's in Tron Uprising. She plays Gorn. Ooh. Yes. Um, I rec that is probably where I recognize her voice from. Yep. And then she's in uh Les Miserables. Uh so but other than that. Yeah, she's she's got that kind of voice and uh, I'm glad you picked that one because as soon as that scene happened, I was screaming, Shut up, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Josh's yeah, mom does not sound like that. I've met her. No. She doesn't sound that like <laughs> she's that. She's a lovely it's totally lady. Fine. Yes, Absolutely. Much, I'm sure she's watching. Much Hello, less mom. of a fascist. Yeah. <laughs> much um, less of a fascist. Way nicer than than that lady. Agreed. Whose name I don't know that we've gotten. Is it mother? Or did, she, did they give her a name in the credits? It's going to be it. something annoying. I like just had it. Kurt. Where was it? Karen uh, X. Darth, it's, it's Darth Eddie, Mom. It's, it's, it's Edie Karn. Edie Karn. Yep, Cyril Karn is her son, and she is Edie Karn. So, I don't think we've ever known that till right now. Do you think now. they're named after Richard Karn? I can't. Oh my That's god, the Karn. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that pick, though. Thank you, Justin. Let's move on to yours. It's short and sweet. There's no way out alive. Of that, you must be sure. I'm doing this so you listen. So listen. Uh, 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 uh. I, I think I nicknamed that scene the. Bitch, listen. <laughs> <laughs> the only way your paranoid ass is gonna listen or is listen to me is if I have a gun to your neck. Uh, that that scene is short and sweet. I thought it was awesome. Him just pissing off tubes, grabbing his gun, and then pointing it to Saw. That was so gangster, and he did yeah, it well, so smoothly, so cold. It was kind of, I think it was a desperation move a little bit because Saw was starting to freak out and Luthen is like, I have to do something to make sure that I can get yeah, his point across. Yeah, definitely see that. And I, I did. Think it's, I loved that. I think it's both to the mm. point. Like, it's supposed to be a combination of calculated and gamble, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And he, for, for Saw's first reaction to be like, oh, you're going to die. <laughs> like, you can, you're totally, go ahead and kill me. That's fine. You will die on your way out. <laughs> like, yeah, he's not worried about that, which is like how you know Saw is dangerous, right? <laughs> right. And I think Saw was even like, even if you don't kill me, you're still gonna die unless you have a really good reason for doing yeah. this. 
which yeah. I did. And that whole piece of dialogue, again, I can't say enough about the dialogue in this. It's believable. It's dramatic. It invokes feelings. And it's it's great. It's It's been wonderful. So thanks, Justin, for that short and sweet pick. Of course, mine, as always, is the long one. I gave him Aldani. What have you done lately? I don't have lately. I have always. I have a constant blur of plates spinning and knives on the floor and needy, panicked faces at the window of which you are but one of many. Burn. Shut up, Vel. I love her just... You have no idea what you're talking about. You... you, Yeah, you might have done this little job on Aldani, but you have no idea what I have done for Luthen and what we have done to start this rebellion. Um, she's got just as much of an influence. Cle Clea has just as much of an influence on things as Luthen does. And she's working just as much and, and putting herself in just as dangerous situations, if not even more, um, as, as Vel. Did you, get a, just, did you get a feel like it was Luthen's speech from the last episode where he's like, I have absolutely. no soul. No, I'll give absolutely. it everything. It was, I give it every day. It was just like that, but in her own words. Um, and it's kind of showing why Luthen and her are such good partners and why they work so well together because they have given up everything to be a part of this. And they're just trying to make sure that the other people that are involved are just as, you know, dedicated. And, and well, I, it's also, I really like that. It's also another layer to that black mirror uh, between <clears throat> the Imperials and the Rebels, right? Like, whereas all of the fascism is rolling downhill and it's like you put your boot on the neck of the person under you, the Rebels are needing to function in the same manner but in the opposite way right where it's like right. or rather for the opposite cause but that all ties back into what lucian was saying which is i have to use the same weapons that they would use to put us down to fight them because that's the only way to win if they're playing a a game with no rules then you have to play outside the rules because otherwise you will lose and it's another again it's just another illustration of no good no bad just people and their circumstances and it also is showing you that even when there is a greater good the greater there are good. people within that that will feel that they have more importance to the greater good than others yeah. because any organization by virtue of being made of people is going to be flawed yeah I agree. That's a great point. Thank you. Um, I think that's it for one chimers this week. I had I just because it's Jesse and just because he's the original quester and he's here with us. I want to do. He's no good to me, dead. He will not be permanently damaged. Now, for Justin and I, we don't have much along the realms of Boba's bounty for this week. But Jesse, I want to ask you in this entire series. What has been your favorite new character or new ship or new droid or planet? What has been your favorite new thing introduced into Star Wars throughout this series? I mean, it 
it probably has to be Lucian's ship just because it's like every time you see him I got to say, I I really think that the imagery around him is reinforcing that he's imperial. Like, he's got a lot of black cloaks. His ship has that imperial kind of window thing going on. Like, he's just, he knows what he's doing. And he's very comfortable in a dark alley with long shadows, etc. Right. And, I mean, I like Cassian Andor a lot, I think that all of the actors are doing really good jobs with their characters in this show. But for me, it's Lucian and his ship. Like he is playing so well. And I love Skarsgård's voice, honestly. Like I I, I'm a huge sucker for a cool voice. And he, the dude has just built in gravitas and like understanding of subtext that really comes through in the way that he delivers on his lines so i i gotta i think i gotta say lucian all right that and that makes sense that's been a lot of people's picks um throughout this season so it does make a lot of sense and his ship especially in this episode really solidifies uh our, our love for him so yeah i also really liked lieutenant or i think it was lieutenant gorn um because he not only had a great name but he was like <laughs> trying not to be a dick to the people under his command right and trying to help the rebellion so right. it's like i mean that's that's pretty admirable right like if you're gonna be in the empire that doesn't mean you have to be a jerk like right. and i you know i think the thing that i do like about him is that they gave us a moment to go so here's when he was radicalized here's what happened and I like that they're doing that with everybody. Yeah. And some of those people were seeing it happen to them. So it's right. I would just very well done. Absolutely. Um, great pick for Boba's Bounty. Let's move on to our final segment, which is... <laughs> the Tusken Raider. This is the part of the show where we rate the episode out of 10, and this week we're going to rate it out of 10... Imperial faces. Okay, (laughs) sure. Yeah, let's do that. 10 Imperial faces. Jesse, what would you give this episode out of 10 Imperial faces? Oh, man. Uh, I would go pretty high on it. I would probably give it an 8 out of 10. Um, I would say there's probably not an episode of this show that I would give a 10 so far. Just because I am really interested to see how they close it out. Um, feels like there's just a pitfall waiting to happen. I re- I don't root for things to fail. That's not the kind of fan that I am. That's not the kind of uh, media watcher that I am. I'm not excited for there to be a crap ending. Uh, and I and I hope, genuinely hope, that there won't be. I don't think there will be. Uh, but I think I have to allow for that possibility uh, to be considered honest. Right. Sure. Um, but yeah, as a Trekkie, I'm really enjoying this dive into the ethics of the Star Wars universe and a look at what Star Wars could be if it were about characters instead of just mysticism, exclusively themes. Yeah, for sure. All right. So eight for Jesse. Justin, what are you going to rate this episode out um, of 10 Imperial Faces? Due to the dialogue and the overall like tying up the loose ends. And yet, still leaving questions for the next season. Like, I give it an eight. Like, the episode like kept me hooked the entire time. I I was wondering what every segment it would jump around to. I'm like, what's gonna happen next? Uh, yeah, uh, those are the reasons I I give it a solid eight. I enjoyed it Excellent. a lot. Yeah, and you know, 
for all those same reasons, but just because I'm like I got so attached to B two emo and the way that the way that the actor the way that B two emo acted in this was just phenomenal. Um, and I got to give this episode a nine. <laughs> Toss my objectivity out the window. Because... <laughs> no, I really, really enjoy this. And I think it's a great lead up to the season finale. And it just makes me even more excited to know how this is going to end. Um, so with that being said, all of our ratings give this episode an 83%, which is pretty typical for the quest me crew we're in between <laughs> 70 and 85 pretty much every single week i don't think we've had anything lower than that um, you don't you don't host a star wars podcast because you hate star wars well <laughs> we did watch bad batch and <laughs> oh. bad batch had a lot of low ratings so we tried man we tried we were so optimistic we did you know season we're gonna have to coming soon we're gonna oh, have God. to watch season two and no. even if we just, just we're not gonna we won't review one episode, every episode one episode but we'll, about the season no, no. Yeah, I was going to say we'll watch the whole season and then review it after that and give our thoughts there. Because I don't think I could do, last another full season of Bad We didn't even go the full season of Bad Batch. Nope. We stopped like before it even ended. <laughs> it was, we were both like, nope. Um, but you're right, Jesse. This is a Star Wars podcast, and we do normally rate it pretty freaking high. So um, let's, uh, let's move on to the... Uh, the outro here. Jesse, why don't you let all the viewers and listeners know what you're up to and how they can find you. So as <clears throat> excuse me, as Josh mentioned, we do have another show called Sudden But Inevitable here on the Twist My Arm Podcast Network. That is the show where I attempt to turn longtime friends into brand new fans of the shows I feel they probably should have seen by now. Uh, we started by introducing Josh to Firefly. He had never seen it when he first saw Mandalorian, and I was like you kind of don't get Mandalorian without <laughs> Firefly, so you have to watch this. And then, of course, we jumped to Cowboy Bebop, and we've done a, all kinds of fun movies. We're currently about to finish up Death Note. That is still incoming. We're just all very busy. Uh, one of those things that we are busy with, of course, is the Open Pike Night podcast that I have started with Cameron and John of Greenshirt, which, of course, is a newbie's track through the next generation. As you can see there on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube and you can't if you're not, you can follow me and that show on Twitter at OpenPike. That is the easiest way to get a hold of us if Twitter still exists when you are listening to this. Uh, if it does not, then just go to OpenPike.com. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can call in. You can leave us a voicemail because that's sort of what we do. The Open Pike Night Show is all about the community. You call in. You tell us about what you liked about the latest episode of Strange New Worlds, and then we play it as though you were on a stage. Now, I hear you saying, wait a minute, <clears throat> season one of Strange New Worlds is over. And you're right, that's true. So what we've been doing since the season ended is just interviewing a lot of the cast and creatives from the show to keep the hype up and to take a little bit deeper dive into the 10 episodes that we got for season one. Some of the guests that we've had include Melissa Navia, who plays Lieutenant Erica Ortegas. My we've had Sam character. Kirk himself, Dan Janot on there. We've had the Romulan commander from the season one finale. We've also spoken with writers like Bill Wolkoff, Onitra Johnson, and Kayla Cooper. And I believe I mentioned earlier, we just finished speaking with one of the showrunners, Henry Alonzo Myers. Coming up next is going to be Davey Perez, who wrote the episodes uh, Memento Mori and... Uh, all those who wander. So he is responsible for killing Chief Engineer Hammer, 
and um, we 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 talked to him about <laughs> that. So yeah, uh, if you're a Star Trek fan at all, either use this podcasting app to go look up Open Pike Night, or if you're here on YouTube, just go to YouTube.com/slash/at Open Pike, and you will find all of our episodes there. And I can attest to Open Pike and the fact that it is a wonderful show for Star Trek, especially for Strange New Worlds. I was a part of one of the episodes, and I had a wonderful time being on that show. I've also called in and given my opinion on episodes. Um, it's it's one of the most interactive podcasts that's out there right now. And I am so freaking proud of you, Jesse, and everyone oh, of the Open you. Pike crew um, for for doing this show it's it's a wonderful idea it's a great um great execution you guys kill it over there and and i can't even it's one of the only star trek podcasts i listen to because clearly (laughs) i don't listen to a lot of star trek podcasts but that's high praise and i appreciate that it's a lot of fun so definitely go check them out of course all of those links and things will be in the show notes so you can just go click on open pike down there and it will take you to their um i'll have There'll be one for their website and one for their Twitter and one for their um, like podcast links, basically. Feed. Yeah, the feed. So definitely check out Open Pike and check out Sudden But, Sudden but Inevitable. Um, we are coming back here pretty soon. We've taken a bit of a break because we are busy with other things. Um, and uh, I am very excited to get back into Death Note and finish that off. And I know Ricky from Rick, uh, Best Flicks with Ricky D is also excited for that. Justin, you actually have something that you can finally promote. And I'm so excited for you to tell us about this and what you're doing on your Instagram page. How can people find (laughs) what you're doing? And tell us what you're doing. Uh, All right. So I I came up with an idea, and this is from uh, Josh's uh, old Facebook, is he used to carry Jerry the Jawa. Am I correct? Yeah, Jerry. He's he's in my car. Yeah, he used to carry (laughs) Jerry the Jawa and, like, and pose them in different pictures that were clever. So I wanted to do the same. So I took Mando, um, Mando and uh, Grogu, the Lego version, and I started doing the same. And uh, I do it under JLU1742 on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, that's that's been a fun thing to do. And then side note, Jesse, I actually uh, I really enjoy fire, uh, Firefly, so... I eat my words. As all good people do. I appreciate that, Justin. <laughs> Absolutely. It means a lot to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and clearly, I will have the the links to Justin's Instagram um, in the show notes. So if you would like to go check out those sweet new, uh, what is it? I guess I call it a photo series or something of, yeah. of Mando and Grogu. I think it's, I don't it's know a lot what Instagram calls it. <laughs> I don't know either, but it is really cool, and I'm super excited that you have something to actually promote finally. It's great. Um, I want to thank everyone again for joining us today. Um, we had Claire on. We had uh, Jesse on. We had... Kelly. Um, Kelly on. Yes, I had him right there finally. Jeez, there it is. Um, but thank you all for joining us and being a part of this Um I'm sorry that Twitter doesn't give me the comments and that I got to them super late, <laughs> but I'm glad that I saw them and I'm glad that I saw you guys participate because it's so much fun to have people on. Um, if you would like to join us on these episodes, we have one left next week. Um, find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast and subscribe and hit that bell to be notified when we go live because then you'll be able to come join us and uh, join in on the conversation. Um, like I said, like we said earlier, next week is the season finale of both Andor and Quest Me. Um, so we have 
Phil coming on. Uh, good old librarian Phil, who's good lord, he's so smart and he knows so much about all the lores of every single fantasy, sci-fi, anything you could possibly imagine. He's a librarian, um, and and I am extremely excited. Like I said, we saved the the best guests for last and started today with Jesse and, and Phil's going to close it out for us next week. And I'm extremely excited for that. And I'm, I'm also extremely excited to tell you guys what we're doing after this. So definitely come join us next week for that season finale on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts and uh, get in on the action. Um, for now, I think that's going to be about it. So, again, thank you guys for coming on. Thanks, Jesse, for for being a part of this and for shoving thank 11 you. episodes of Andor down your throat in a day and a half. Um, I'm very Thanks proud of you for Thanks for picking a series that made it easier to do that than the last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew Obi-Wan wouldn't be your, your bag or your cup of tea, so I figured we'd just kind of skip that one and move on to Andor. But I was not expecting Andor it. to be as much of an adult series as it actually is. Um, it's, it's been wonderful and I'm glad that you enjoy it because it's, it's good to, to know that my, one of my best friends of 30 plus years is actually enjoying something that I freaking love. So it's, it was great to have you on and talk about this. We're definitely going to have you back for Mando season three because yeah. that's where we started. So we and there'll be another season of Andor at least, right? Uh, they're talking about doing five, five seasons. Wow. Yeah. So right. this this uh, <laughs> this series is set five years before Rogue One, so they'll do a season a year leading up to it. I did refuse to look up what the date stamp meant in the first episode, so yeah, it's that's fine. I got you. That's on me. That's why I'm here. <laughs> um, but for now, we're gonna close this thing out. So uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm not gonna explain anything. We're just gonna go for it. So for Quest Me, I have been your host. I've been Jesse, and I'm Justin, and of course, my name is Josh. And I will always be here to talk about Star Wars. We will see you next week. May the Force be with you. <laughs>